acting and writing require different skills and abilities. So what happens when actors and playwrights reverse roles or do both in a show? Hi, I'm Gordon Cox from Variety for the American Theatre Wing. And joining me today to discuss the unique aspects of actors who write and writers who act are Daniel like Jenkins, currently appearing in a show he co-wrote, Love Child, Lisa Crone, who has written and acted in numerous shows, including Well and 2.5 Minute Ride, and David Patu, whose current show, which he has both written and stars in, is What's That Smell? The Music of Jacob Sterling. Welcome. Thank you. Do actors need to write in order to be better actors, and conversely, do writers need to act in order to be better writers? I don't think they need to. Um, for me, I think they really inform each other. I think that I start to understand uh, something more about what the arc is, you know, what the bigger, uh, you know, what the bigger point is. But, uh, but, you know, conversely, I think it's important for actors, I mean, in my own work, I think I had to really learn when I'm, in particular in Well, when I was just one character among many, <laughs> I had to learn um, to stop trying to do the work of the playwright when I was acting. And that was uh, a really big uh, lesson um, to be, and, and sort of what I've been thinking about a lot in the past several months is um, that, th that the nature of theater is, and the sort of core of theater is what is the most, the truest thing, the most universally true thing about life is that we're all innocent of the coming moment. And that that's very difficult to, it's uncomfortable in life and it's actually uncomfortable for us as creative people and we do a lot of things to mitigate that and it's the thing that we say as actors or, or as writers about you know not playing the end before it happens it's hard to do because it's it is in fact scary mm -hmm. and i think um, i feel like i'm a better actor for because i'm a writer but i think i've also had to learn to disengage those two things i have a question for you does there come a point where you just stop writing where you say i I'm not going to allow myself to change this script anymore? Or does um, it just... Uh, do well, I think, I, I mean, I think it, it seems to me that it's important to have periods where you do one and periods where you do the other. Yeah. I mean, certainly in working on... I think that's on, where deadlines come in. Uh -huh. yeah. I would rewrite something forever. Endlessly, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody said, I don't know, somebody famous said, you don't write plays, you rewrite plays. Uh -huh. But. Oh, there was something you said that I wanted to say, I can't remember, but there is there is that thing about writing and when you realize there's something you can't, you can't really account for your own presence as an actor. And I think that's where sometimes mm. you spend a lot of time alone writing and then when you bring it into the room with other people, you do start to realize, oh God, I don't need this line, I don't need this line, I don't need this mm. line, I don't need this because something else that you're doing that you really weren't sort of conscious of is... Take filling in the blanks yeah, yeah, yeah. that right. you think you need words for. You weren't for. trusting the actor. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, other thing exactly. I think writers can, can learn by acting, I mean, right. certainly the thing that I learned was the true nature of dramatic action. Because mm -hmm. when there's nothing happening, and you, you, know, you can write sort of beautiful words that seem very full on a page, mm. um, if you actually have to try to make that interesting to an audience, you will at some point realize that if you're doing something, if there's dramatic action, um, it will be much easier to perform and keep the audience engaged than if there's not. And I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like it makes me, uh, it makes it much easier to cut things if you have to perform them yourself oh, rather absolutely. than watching mm -hmm. actors thinking, oh, well, yeah. if they just did it right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think about also how musicals are made and, uh, you know, the, the book writer will write this wonderful book and then all of their really good 
moments will be co-opted and made into songs, so then right. they become the interstitial stuff. It seems like there's a little bit of relationship with the, the writer and performer for me, it's that you know, you get up there and uh, you, you want to tell the writer, just just, just shut up and let me exactly. do this. Uh, he, in fact, just cut all that because what I'm doing right here is saying all that. Right, and, and you have to go back to how you feel when you're an audience member, which is where this all starts, Yeah. which is really. that resentment you sometimes feel when you're listening to writing and you think, stop explaining this to me, mm. stop explaining yeah. this to me, I got it, you know, mm -hmm. so long before. Just Show because, me, don't tell me. Yeah. yeah. Does that, do you think like that as increasingly as writers now, like, can you write from the, that perspective that you take from acting? It's dangerous, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, think there's a little bit of danger in that, but uh, because you are the actor too, right. um, it, it isn't. You do have to make what you're making complete. Uh, you can't just uh, take everything as a kind of. Uh, well, some things are perform Just can be performatively expressed as opposed to being in the text. And I right. think you're talking about yeah, that yeah, line yeah, between yeah, yeah. those two things. And I think performatively expressing something is a legitimate thing. But, Absolutely. But it, it's true. If, you're, if, if you want a text that can be passed on to other actors, it thing. has to right. be in the text. Every single audience that you get is different, and it's, it's, you are validated or approved of in a different way every night or just responded to or you know an audience is moved in a different way every night um, so using that only as the barometer I think can be dangerous um, but it's absolutely the relationship that you're trying to cultivate so I think you take that into consideration. Well I think the thing that you always forget that you always have to relearn is the isolation of writing then added to the a group consciousness, it focuses everything so much more than, than you can do when you're by yourself. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. but, you well, know, theater doesn't exist like, you know, as you try on to, page. It yeah. exists right. in the in imaginative, exactly. imaginative space between mm -hmm. a performer and an audience. I think, you know, people didn't used to go to school to learn playwriting or acting for that matter. They did mm -hmm. it by working in the theater. Mm -hmm. And there was theater all the time mm -hmm. everywhere and so you could do that. I mean, I think part of, I mean, I certainly feel um, fortunate uh, that I've been able to be on stage a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and, and also because I was in the East Village when there were all these clubs, I was interacting with an audience there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys yeah. feel this as well, that there comes a after you're on stage, a certain amount of time, I mean, there's a mastery, you can only get a, a relationship. Oh yeah, and your yeah. sense of editing it, becomes so much sharper too. And it's also, an, it's an energetic exchange. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that you really only get in that, right. by, by experiencing that relationship. Yeah. And reading a play is a huge, completely different experience. I right. mean, some of the, I, I'm, I'm not a writer enough to even call myself a writer, I have too much respect for them. <laughs> but I look, at a, I look at a play that I really, really respect, like uh, you know, Russell Davis's plays, or, mm -hmm. or Beckett, or anybody. You, know, you look at the page and you go, this is, how, how can this possibly work? Well, but there's something in there. Mm -hmm. uh, not until it is translated does it make any sense at all. Right. Uh, Russell is one of my favorite writers and he's rarely done because you, that's how it works. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it, it isn't that. It's, right. it's this, right. and it's actually what's, uh, what's under all of it. Right. And a lot of what we say to each other as human beings, we're not saying it with words. Right. We're, we're, right. we're, we're communicating in so many other ways. And uh, what I've, I've admired in your work is, uh, uh, as an actor is you know, how much is communicated 
uh, under the words uh, is remarkable. Which came first, the acting or the writing, and when, did you, when and why did you try the other one? I, I never anticipated being a writer. It never occurred to me in a million years I would be a writer. But I just started, I don't think I knew what I wanted to be, but I just, I mean, theoretically, an actor. Um, but I, um, you know, ended up in the East Village and I was performing in these clubs and, you know, making these sort of improvised shows. And I, you know, over time sort of kept getting a different idea of, you know, first I wanted to figure out how to be consistently funny. I mean, I, you know, my first times I was on stage, I did it really spontaneously, and I thought, wow, <laughs> I'm a genius, you know, and then, it, and then it didn't go well, you know, <laughs> then, it, then it went really badly, and I was like, huh, and then I spent like a lot of years trying to figure out how to gain the skills to do, to learn the craft to do what I had done spontaneously, then I wanted to learn how not to be funny, <laughs> and then I was, you know, doing these shows at PS122, different places, and then I just thought, I mean, I think I saw other people who were interesting to me, Deb Margolin for one, and I thought, there's something else, there's a depth there, there's a, I wanted to make something that had an arc, I wanted to, and then, you know, over time I began to be interested in how you make a solo show that is theater in the traditional sort of Aristotelian sense, that has dramatic action. Um, and then I, you know, spent a bunch of time uh, trying to figure that out, and inevitably, I think I had to then, to, to make, the kind of shows I wanted to make, I had to learn to write. And then I was also with the Five Lesbian Brothers, the collaborative theater company that I've worked with for many years. And so um, I also learned to write through working with them. Is that, is that based out of improv, the, the group work of them? No, I mean, we do some improv, but no, right. I mean, we write um, plays. Group, they're published, they're right. done by other people. They're, um, I love their right, stuff. Got a question. Right. You, we write plays, so <laughs> you all write the plays. Yeah. Do you write for each other? Do you write for yourself? Do you no, bring we in don't. After the first play, we stopped casting after, until the play was finished because it really pulled it out of proportion when people started to write for their own characters. Wow. So how does the writing get done? The, our key tool is the, the automatic timed writing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we write for five minutes. We read, we write, we read, we write, we read. And then um, what happens is that a sort of a collective consciousness starts to form. So this one writes about the dream she had last night. This one writes about something that happened to her at work. Um, this one just makes something up, you know, whatever. And and pretty soon characters start to form. I wow. mean, the secretaries, a cornerstone of our play, the secretaries, um, was we were obsessed with the Slimfast commercial, you know, where Elizabeth Ashley said a delicious shake for breakfast, a delicious shake for lunch, and a sensible dinner. And so, she, you know, that was like... I love And then that we start show. to make big lists of things that stick, and then we, we do improvs and we... So it starts very, very small and then evolves into something as opposed to, we need to write a play about... Right. Uh-huh. It never starts there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Oedipus at Palm Springs, I suppose uh -huh. we thought we want to start with a Greek. plot. Yeah. And so, but you know, it, that's also really, you know, then we just had the, a lot of times it's a, like, you know, the secretary started out as an idea of, Mo had seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and she thought, what if we wrote a play called Seven Brides for Five Brothers? And so we started to write about lumber mills, and we didn't know anything about lumber mills, and then we started to write about the secretaries and the lumber mills and that. Wow. Or um, Oedipus, we just thought, what if, a, what if a woman found out that her girlfriend was her daughter? Um, you know, so a lot of times there's kind of a, Oh. A jokey. I mean, the plays right. are dark. The plays are funny, but they're dark. Yeah. But they sort of start like that. Wow. I think I, you I just need it. I mean, for me, it's uh, with the show I'm doing now. This character, Jacob Sterling, he's really just a filter for for me to kind of get a lot of my uh, 
feelings and about the world out, you know. And it's uh, a kind of veiled way to... I I've always been taken by people where you really can't tell the difference between the writing and the acting, you know, like Woody Allen or mm. Tracy Ullman or people who you just kind of, you know, kind of conceive a persona for themselves and then put themselves in situations, you know. And is this your, have you written before? Is this yeah, your, I've written before. What, yeah. I mean, uh, all different kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, most of the stuff I've done has had a slight, you know, parody uh -huh. feel to it. And you've written for yourself to perform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I used to do a, a show called Hot Keys oh. with the great actor Jeff yeah. Weiss, who uh, oh, I consider right. to be a kind of huge influence, mm. who's a brilliant actor and also uh, a brilliant writer. and. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's tough just being an actor because, you know, you still have things to say and you still have feelings and reactions to the world that you're not going to be able to get out in someone else's text mm. necessarily, yeah. you know. And that's, I think, maybe how it happens for a lot of people is they do something and they say, well, that's really close to what I'm feeling, but right, it exactly. actually isn't Right, well, accurate. it's like when an actor, when you get a part and you go, oh, my God, I can't believe how much like this. This is me. This yeah, is me. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. you know, I have to play this and no one else can understand that. But if you constantly put yourself in that situation, I mean, it's hard to come up with, you know, those situations and, and characters for yourself, but that's where a lot of the thinking has to take place. Whereas I feel like sometimes when I am in other, other writers' pieces, I feel like they're thinking, so I get in trouble sometimes because I start to rewrite things or I'll make too many suggestions because I feel like, you know, we as actors will, will sit and stew in one character. So naturally, mm -hmm. the thought process that we're going through for just that character might be slightly deeper than the writer yeah. who's having to write all the characters. But yeah. once he adds you into it, you know, you start in a way writing it. And I think sometimes that, that can either be a, a real gift for a writer, and some writers don't like it at all. It's my, fa my favorite part of the process, yeah. of any theatrical process, is actually develop any development I get to do with a writer. Yeah. Is, you know, the, the writers who enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Sundance, I was fortunate mm -hmm. enough to get to go to uh, and do play development there, and it is just my favorite. And whose play did you have? I, I did five years of Sundance. Oh, and then I just love it because the ego really gets checked at the door. You become kind of like a resource person mm -hmm. for the writer. Uh, you yeah, it's do a particular whatever. atmosphere there that oh. is really, and the actors who. The actors who go to Sundance, I mean, the, the way that it's cast, I mean, it's, it's really, I think for writers, it's spectacular because then you come back to New York and that choice sometimes is taken away from you to yeah. work with those mm -hmm. good theater actors. It's, it's yeah, heartbreaking. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it's it works for every writer. I think, uh, I think a lot of the work that gets done in those developmental situations actually gets done a year later. Uh, because you have I, to walk I, away I think from it. I think as a writer, uh, you can be very, very raw and exposed in that kind of situation mm -hmm. because there's a little bit of Absolutely. okay, we're giving it to you. What, what are you getting from it? And I think writers sometimes need to take it away and synthesize it. And but some people are like, yeah, here's 20 pages I did last night. Thanks for that improv. Right. You know. <laughs> but sometimes I think yeah, it is that going away and being alone again that always is going to recharge it because it's. No matter how collaborative theater is, I, I think it's always best to follow one person's vision, you know? And I think that, that that has to be checked by the writer alone. Always, you know, that process of doing, you know, the collaborative stuff, but then going back and saying, no, what, what is it that I really want to see in this piece? Yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky relationship, and I feel that actors 
um, well, yeah, writing one's own show is very empowering for an actor. I feel like actors are in tremendously vulnerable uh, line of work mm -hmm. because they, um, well, they're interpretive artists. And so they just have to put themselves um, in the hands, ultimately, of the playwright and the director. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of sort of going back a little bit, I, I think that that's, in a certain way, what I bring um, when I'm in someone else's play, which I love doing, I love just having one job. <laughs> um, but I, I think one of the things I bring is that um, I, can, I, I feel like I'm able to see the play not through the prism of my character, which I think is very difficult for actors to do a lot. You see the, I mean, as an actor in someone else's piece, you actually have an eye on the larger that, picture. That my character, yeah, and that my character is serving a purpose, and that my character's uh, trajectory oh, uh -huh. may or may not be the most important thing, and that may or may not be important. <laughs> right, right, right. That right. my arc may or may not be important. See, I have, my problem is I have trouble actually not seeing the, the large picture when I'm an actor. Yeah, me too. I, when I'm really just have, an actor, yeah. And if somebody says, what do you think that, of that you? scene or what of that, really, I'll, I'll really, say, really. don't ask me now, because I'm really just concentrating on me. I don't know that, yeah. But then, no, I, uh, over time, I think you get a better yeah, sense of it. Yeah, absolutely. But you should only worry about your thing when you're only being an actor, Yes, I think. yes, yes. But what I'm talking about is making choices that are sort of... That contribute, to the, contribute to what the larger piece is trying to Right, and sometimes yeah, what yeah. that means is, is... Not doing that. Don't do that funny bit. Yes. <laughs> the funny bit actually is just for you yeah, and the audience. Yeah, or that emotional bit, or that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually right. it's a funny bit. <laughs> you're, you're right, yes. Can we talk a little bit about where um, ideas, where your ideas come from? I mean, you've got, is part of the impetus, I'd like to write this really good part for myself, or I'd like to write this part that I would really like to play. Um, is, does that come into it at all, or...? Mine was a very specific one. Robert Stanton is my writing partner and uh, acting guru, and he's easily the, the, the more talented uh, of the pair. Um, uh, he and I met uh, doing Young Playwrights Festival about 15 years ago, and um, there was a, a, a couple of folks in the audience who were who were um, maybe overly enthusiastic, uh, or or their filter between uh, the the reality of where they were and where we were just didn't really exist. So uh, there was a lot of contribution from those two audience members, and th that happens a lot. Uh, you know, people who are very very comfortable just being who they are. Uh, and not having any separation between uh, you and hey, that's good. Robert has, has a story about doing a play where uh, it was some mystery, and 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 they just were so into it that uh, at one point, you know, critical plot point, uh, someone yelled out from the audience, "It's in the fireplace!" Oh, God. You know? <laughs> so we had a couple of those folks in the audience who we just uh, were very entertained by, and we thought those two people actually wanted to be in the show. Mm -hmm. So we said, why don't we write them a show? <laughs> um, and it's taken uh, this long for us to actually uh, make that happen. Um, and, and Robert actually took a stab at uh, uh, an adaptation of a Euripides play, uh, Ion, and that became um, kind of our thematic underpinning, as well as the play within the play that's in Love Child uh, that is actually based on the ion as well. But your shows, both your current shows, are about theater people and performers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Lisa Well was 
if not about theater people, at least highly metatheatrical and very aware of its status as a piece of theater. Is that the writer side of you taking, drawing ideas from your experience from the acting side of you or from? I think it has something to do with like social awareness for me, like mm -hmm. uh, being an actor and wanting to kind of express things that are going on now. And I felt, I feel like one of the reasons I wrote the piece I wrote was because I felt like things weren't being addressed that I was responding to and I felt very alone with my feelings about like, you know, that kind of moment of, does anybody else feel right, insane, yeah, yeah. you know, with what's going on in the world around us and stuff. And sometimes I feel like the theater has become a little cut off from its social setting at the moment. You know, I feel like between auditioning for revivals of musicals or whatever and you just think, why are we doing this now? Why, why is this, you know, what about now? These were all from another time period. Why do we have to keep looking at these? And sometimes it is valid to relook at things. But I think, you know, as actors, we tend to go up for these things that you feel like you're in this kind of endless repertory of high school seasons. You know, it's like, oh, we're doing that again. Oh, we're doing this again. Oh, another production of, I won't say, but you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> And especially with musicals, which I grew up loving, I've, I've been a little, you know, disappointed with what they've turned into. And that was definitely part of the uh, impetus for my writing. Uh. But rather than try to, you know, say, oh, you know, this is all so horrible, I thought, step into it. Go and walk into the horribleness of it and, and, and love it. Try to love it. And that's how this character of mine became uh, born. So, right. Tell me about the sort of balance between autobiography and... Uh you know, the fiction of as you are writing and creating. I don't need to, I, I actually don't need to have the audience know anything about me or my family. Um, and I, I actually think in my case, there's an incredible amount of dissociation um, that has gone into my writing and performance of these works. I've had this really sort of delusional sense that I can't really be seen on stage. Like people would recognize me afterwards and I would think, how do they know what I look like? I mean, it's delusional, <laughs> it's completely crazy. But um, I, I think I also, I mean, in terms of 2.5 minute ride in then well, I think I happen to have these parents who intersected with the major, some major events of the 20th century and had very unique outlooks on them and responses to them or interactions with them and they're also kooky <laughs> so I was able to use them um, to um, you know to make these plays but it's interesting you know a 2.5 minute ride occasionally gets done by other people well is being done quite a bit by other people and people say well how do you feel about someone playing you well I'm all of well I'm not, you know, I had to really, I'm the antagonist in Well. You know, I had a woman one time in a talkback say to me, you really need to listen to what Kay says in that monologue. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I wrote what Kay says in the monologue, you know. <laughs> um, but I think, and, and in terms of, and I say, okay, let's look at what really happens in Well. What happens in Well is completely fictionalized. You know, the, the dramatic action of Well is that a woman steps out on stage, she's put her mother on stage, she's brought these other people there, and the whole thing falls apart. None of that, that's all imagined. Nothing in that play is based on anything that really happened. You're watching a theatrical fiction 
played by characters who are, you know, drawn from or named after other people. The backstory is all drawn from real life, but there's nothing that happens in that play that happened. It's, mm. it's, it's all fiction. I mean, I was saying to a student yesterday who was talking about writing a play, I said, there's the character of you who you put on stage, and then there's the playwright you who has to know more than the character of you, ultimately. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a really important uh, difference. It's a great dance. It's just, uh, that's when you really do get to put on that writer hat and say, so you, you are better to... when you are innocent and when you are not right. knowing. Mm -hmm. Don't be knowing. Be innocent and let it, uh, and discover. I mean, it's one of those things I try to remind myself as an actor is, you no, know, actually, you need to discover it. You can't know it and say it as if you know it. Right. You have that's to discover right. it, and that's why the audience is enjoying this. That's right. And the downfall of the solo, you know, the solo show that people, makes people say they hate solo shows is the show where somebody wants to write a solo show because they've learned a life lesson. And it becomes And they're going to tell us yeah, what it is. Why that's a, that's yeah. a, but there's also, too, that, that thing that I find in the theater and in film and all media, the confusion of the medium. And I always, there are times where if somebody mm. is writing something like that where I say, why are we in a theater for this? Why don't you just write a short story? Or, yeah. you know, right. what you're trying to do is... Radio play, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or an essay, yeah. or, you know, some yeah, things yeah. are inherently undramatic. But yeah, our piece is actually about community, and, and our community has become this huge splintered thing. I go to right. the theater at night, and people are just talking about so much stuff that there's just no way in hell I'm going to be able to keep up with this. Right. And I feel like I'm uh, really and for being me, left behind yeah. as far as that stuff goes. Uh, and as a writer, I feel like that's the, the, the final, before I'm going to put pen to paper, I have to make sure that what I'm about to do has to happen in the theater. You know, mm -hmm. and that because too often I go to see things and I think, this is a polemic. This is a, you know, yeah. I, I want to be entertained. I want to be, I know the world is a terrible place, you know. Yeah. It, it makes I, something yeah, beautiful. I'll, I'll watch the TV movie of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to get somebody out of their apartment, I think nowadays, to go and pay the exorbitant amount of money it costs to see theater now, you better. Make it <laughs> you theatrical. Better make it theatrical. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, but, that's, I, I, but that's a, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, theater is too expensive. It is. And, and so what people pay for is what people are willing to pay for, which is a visceral uh -huh. experience. It's why people will pay that much for a rock concert or um, an amusement park right. or sex. You know, that's, yeah. that's what we pay for. If mm -hmm. movies cost that much, nobody would go to the movies either. And I think the thing about theater ticket prices is that you want to be able as with movies, to say, I'm going to go see this because I love this actor. Mm -hmm. And the play doesn't have to change my life. Right. I want to be able to go see this because there's going to be some interesting, you know, mm -hmm. one part of it is going to move me, and mm -hmm. that's enough for this amount of money. It's right. too big of a, and, and so the, the craft cannot progress if you, if you have to justify at every step the price a $100 tag. ticket exactly. price. Absolutely. It's, no, I mean, I think it's a question of what do you value, and and I, I think empowering the audience and making them active participants is just as valuable, or mm -hmm. perhaps more so, than just giving them everything that they think they're paying for. Yeah, nothing makes me matter when people talk about audiences in derogatory terms, because Absolutely. that's part of the problem, I think, in our society now. <laughs> that sounds so profound, but I mean, you don't, <laughs> we're, we're losing that, uh, people are losing the ability to watch theater, I feel like, because they, Everything is be somehow so um, pre-digested for them that that 
that, that collective consciousness of an audience, which I think is the smartest thing we have going. I mean, it's just yeah. there's a reason why you gather a group to watch something, which is why it's you know watching something on YouTube or alone is different than you know that wisdom that you talk about when you know a writer knowing more than the character. Well, the audience usually knows more. The, right. You know, if you gave one person in an audience a play to read versus having them be a part of an audience watching the play. It's two totally different things. Mm -hmm. They become so much smarter in a group. I don't know mm -hmm. why that is. It's just a thing Well, it's that also happens. why comedy works better in a group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny is something that you all feel together. Exactly. Well, audiences also teach to. each other. I mean, I love, you know, when I was doing a 2.5 minute ride, which, you know, there were various constituencies who had personal relationships to that play. Mm -hmm. Gay people, right. uh, people with elderly parents, Jewish people, people from the Midwest, people who'd been to the mm -hmm. Cedar Point Amusement Park. Mm -hmm. You know, they all <laughs> had, and, and they would inform each other. You know, right. if, if the bigger the mix in the audience, this group of people would laugh. So those, I mean, you've had this experience, I'm sure. So that when these five people laugh, all of a sudden, all of them understand, oh, that's funny. Right. Yes, absolutely. That's right. funny. It's a really great thing that happens in the theater. Is that experience particularly more gratifying when it is a show that you are performing that you wrote as you sort of watch the audience react to not only what you are presenting as an actor, but also as a... I think it has to be. I mean, yeah. uh, we, uh, we're wonderfully selfish and narcissistic uh, tribe. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> even aside from that, I think we, as actors, have such a time navigating through so many people in our work, you know, mm -hmm. between casting directors and agents mm -hmm. and writers and p uh, stage managers, that yeah, when yeah. you do make something of yeah. your own, there is a sense of, and it works, even a little bit, there is that sense of, oh, right, you know, being an artist, you know, is empowering. And, and when you do it yourself, you know, uh, when you make the opportunity for yourself and you see other people getting it, there is nothing and more. For me, it out. wasn't unusual at all for me, that dynamic. I, I kind of started in Louisville. My dad is an actor and playwright. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of grew up kind of looking at someone who knew that it was okay to do more than one thing. But in Louisville, there was also a real sense of empowerment about, you know, you writers mm -hmm. and what they do. And you know what? It ain't easy. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they encouraged all the apprentices. Uh, and, and actually, there was a great uh, high school program there in Louisville there, uh, where they were having these kids write, and they would bring their uh, short plays to the festival in, mm -hmm. in, in Louisville and do it in front of an international community. Right. So there's a real sense of, you know what? It's important. You need to do it, even if it's just an exercise, uh, just to find out that what that other perspective is. And mm -hmm. and then, of course, the more people that do it, uh, it, the more people end up saying, "This is actually where I belong. Right. I need to be a writer because this is what I'm good at and what I love the most." And mm -hmm. uh, for me personally, the, I don't think there was anything more important than developing young writers, because that's where it does have to begin. I know it's different for our particular panel, but um, I think it that's where our, our theatrical uh, sense, uh, our, our community sense has been wavering lately, is that we're not really supporting uh, young writers as much as we should. I know it became hot there for a little while. Mm -hmm. It became like, oh yeah, we're going to do new plays and, and uh, we're going to be hot. Uh, it seems to uh, be not as accepted uh, as, it, as it should be. Can we talk a little bit about other aspects of performing plays that you wrote? Like how, for instance, do you relate, is the 
what is the difference in how you relate to the other to the company of actors that you are working with when you are both the writer and the actor when you're both a member of that company and also a writer is there what's that relationship like does that change at all the cast parties are so much better <laughs> <laughs> here to tell you <laughs> well I, I mean in the case of what i'm working on now i wrote the the other main part in the show for the actor who's playing it peter bartlett who's right. a great actor and a dear friend and i love uh you know, in rehearsal, if I, I always am saying to him, do you hate that line? Do you hate mm -hmm. that? Because I can cut that. And do you want to say something else there? And, you know, but, and then you do have to kind of step back sometimes and make the other actor feel like, no, I really am just the other actor in the scene with you right now. I swear to God, I'm not thinking, why is he saying it like that? I'm not, you know. <laughs> It's a, that, that's a, a delicate balance that you have to right. that you have to do. So on. you never direct him. You never say. No, of course you do. Okay. But you know, I mean, if I I always try to put myself in his position, and I'm terribly paranoid about everything. So I would always think that whoever that is, that writer who I'm acting with, I'm, I would just be sitting there going, Oh, I'm sure he hates what I'm doing. I'm sure he hates what I'm doing. So I try to <laughs> I project that onto the other person and try to appease them. <laughs> And what about working with a director, um, especially with something that is, you know? I feel really sorry for my director. Really? Tell, yeah. Tell, tell us why. Uh, well, he's, he's really fantastic. Carl Forsman is directing mm -hmm. us, and uh, and he has to put up with two, you know, really strong-willed uh, 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 divas. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, what he has brought to it has been remarkable because he's looking at it like a play, and mm. we're looking at it like this, you know, toy. Right. And you know, we're just you know throwing this toy back and forth and says, you know, if you wind it up here, it'll just go, 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 and then <laughs> I take it and I wind it up and I send it back to you. No, Carl's saying, no, actually, this is what you're doing, and this is what needs to happen, right. and and it's really like getting slapped mm -hmm. and uh, and remembering that your your task as an actor is actually much simpler uh, and deeper, uh, uh, not simpler, it's actually more complicated, but you really do have to funnel and focus and just get that done so that that you can see what it is that needs to happen with the script, if there is anything. Yeah, yeah, it's been Yeah, with What's great. That Smell, as we were getting toward uh, like previews and Neil- Which you co-directed. I co-directed, yeah. yeah, but Neil Pepe, my friend and colleague, I couldn't have done it without him because by the end I was cutting so much because I just, you know, I just become so ruthless with myself that he would say, what happened to that line and that funny bit? And that, because if he hadn't said along the way, I love that line or I love that section, mm. I would just get rid mm. of it, <laughs> you know? And then suddenly I had that extra eye saying to me, no, 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 we love that part. We love that part, put that back, you know? And that's why I think it is hard to be, do all three, you know, because the director has to be that audience member who's always watching for you, I think, which it's a little impossible to be for yourself. I think, are are people time. intimidated with you as a writer when you, I mean, oh, the other? If I've done my job well. No, I mean, I think from, I mean, from being in a collaborative company for so long, I think, um, you know, the Well was directed by Lee Silverman, and the play that I'm working on now, which I'm actually not in, is being directed by Lee. And mm -hmm. I think both of us have a similar, um, sense of wanting to create a very uh, comfortable right. uh, atmosphere um, for the people that we, and a very respectful atmosphere for the people that we um, work with and easygoing. And at the same time, Lee is an incredibly rigorous mm. um, director. 
so she has sort of a way of making you feel like it's all really easygoing, and she's just sort of working you to her <laughs> to the nth degree, which is great. Um, Two point five minute ride. Mark Brokaw um, directed um, ultimately, and I think he. I think always when I'm in my own shows, I learn to be a better actor. And um, Mark was an extraordinary um, person to work with on that show. And one of the things he did was to, you know, sort of what I said earlier, to get me to stop being the playwright and, um, and to have that, um, yeah, to, to figure out how to actually play it, how to be innocent, how not to tell the mm. end in the middle and just yeah. be in the moment of it. Well was really surprising because in 2.5 minute ride I felt in a certain way what my job was was to gather the consciousness of the audience into you know one track and then funnel it through the experience of the show until I took them out the other side and it was a very um, and I, I think certainly solo performing is being a very energetic um, gathering and channeling in that way and um, in well I couldn't do that <laughs> Because, mm -hmm. and it was a problem when I tried mm -hmm. to, that I could not uh, will, energy. I couldn't manage yeah. the energy, and I, and I needed to not manage the energy, right. and it right. was really scary to let go of that. So you were actually allowing different experiences to happen, as I opposed to, to trying learn to make everyone... To do it. it was really, yeah. really, really difficult. You talked a little bit about the sort of resistance to sort of letting it go. Is there an initial resistance to handing it over to a director, and, you know, I think like, it's all about getting the right or, director. Okay. Hmm. I mean, I think, and certainly with, yeah, because my work is about my family also, um, it has to be someone who simultaneously will, I mean, I always think this about, you know, the way you pick designers. You want to you wanna talk to the person who tells you something you never thought of, but when they say it, you say, oh, that's completely right. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's what you said. You, ha you have the idea of how it's supposed to be played when you write it. And then the director says, no, try, and you're like, oh, right. That no can this be is very actually, exciting, actually. That's right. Ooh. This is actually in there. Yeah. I mean, that's the collaborative It's very validating to, to hear a director say, I find something more interesting in what you've written than you think it is, you know? That's right. It's like, oh, really? But right. you have to find the person who does that <laughs> rather than the person who says, yes. you know, I think who you're Who rubber stamps everything. Or, 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 who, or who thinks your play is about something that your play's not about. Well, yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you had that? I ha no, I haven't, but, oh, I, yeah. but I watch yeah, people yeah. do. I mean, I think they you get have someone to pick who the right think, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get the right person. What's the um, preview process like? As Because often in previews, you know, a writer is rewriting and mm. sort of based on an audience reaction, but you are also a performer and experience the audience and the audience's reaction from that perspective. What's that like for you as you That's I think that's what that? we were talking about, about the dangerous line of having, uh, you know, obviously the audience is the major collaborator in a theatrical experience. Um, but you have to make sure that what is ending up on the page is valid on the page. Um, uh, it needs to be complete. Uh, it, it does take an audience to finally complete it. But just because they laughed at that doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's always funny. Just because, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it has to, I think, be honest through the character's perspective. Mm -hmm. And the author has to take, uh, uh, you know, absolute, uh, well, the word is, I don't know, they are the authority about what's on the page. 
you know, that you have to finally make a commitment to that. Yeah, it's hard to try to control an audience's experience, but it is a, a great challenge because sometimes you don't, you, you have to really, especially in the first 15 or 20 minutes of a, of a piece, I feel like you really have to establish something funny. You have to decide what's more important, getting yeah. a laugh or just, you know, getting through and, and the, the character's line of action. and. Sometimes people are, I find, actors are way too willing to let audiences in and, and let them sort of dominate the experience as opposed to, mm. no, you're going to laugh when I, when I, you know, I want you to laugh because... Mm. I, it, it is tricky. It's I mean, tricky. I, it's, it, you I mean, can give them too so much, much power by giving them, for instance, a, a, a big funny bit here at the beginning where you're, you're naturally not moving towards anything uh, farcical or, or, or silly for a good while. Mm -hmm. and, and then you've given them this big kind of permission to laugh and you've maybe robbed them of the ability to hear what actually needs to happen next. Uh, and it's hard to be but general and specific as, at the same time. But, right. but, but as far as previews go, I mean, they're invaluable. And I find absolutely. as always as an actor when I'm in other productions, People don't make as good use of them as they should. Mm -mm. I, I don't, I don't but think. I, but I, I think it is though uh, tricky in previews to go on stage and just be the actor and play it fully mm -hmm. without doing the thing of oh yeah, should we write that? You know, without thinking with your writer's <laughs> yeah. head um, and to just do one and and, um, and then come back and do. I mean, it's nearly impossible to do actually. I usually do it like a replay in my head after where I'm not able to do that during a performance. I just can't. I can I have to go back home, sit and be quiet and kind of replay it in my head and and then become the writer. You know. In well, when it went to Broadway, of course, we had whatever was happening with the audience, but then we also had what was happening with the producers mm. as happens mm. in Broadway previews. Yeah. And it was a you know, it was an amazing dance. I mean John Diaz had been our dramaturg the whole time and he and Lee filtered what was happening and then digested it and then fed it to me in you know <laughs> it was a really and I would, you know, look at them and I would think, okay, they're not telling me the truth or they're telling me a partial truth and I would think that's fine for now. Mm. I need to it, there's something else going on I need to not know what it is and then they would figure out how to tell me and I would think alright that was not actually no. what they were told but that's fine. Is that so because now you should. think the producers were taking the audience's reaction as a literal barometer and then saying obviously no, I mean, they producers are doing whatever producers do they you know they want it X change Y change that you know just whatever the process is. But did they is. want it change because that's how they felt? Well I still don't really know yeah, yeah. I mean I, I mean, don't know but it doesn't you know thank it God certainly for the, doesn't thank God really for the matter. Filter. Yeah, I mean, the, the point was that they, they knew, and the producers also knew. I mean, the producers weren't coming to me directly, as they would have if I had just been the playwright. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everybody oh, knew uh -huh. that I couldn't go on stage and do the show. Right. That th these changes weren't going to be able to happen. Sure, sure, I mean, that's sure, also sure. the thing, was that the changes could only happen when I, had, when I either wasn't in rehearsal or on stage. So they would have to happen on the day off. Right. So everybody needed to stay away from me <laughs> while I performed the show so that I wasn't on stage thinking, this has to be changed, or this doesn't work, or mm -hmm. this is wrong. Although at some point I was like, is that the line they want to cut? Is that the line they want to cut? I wonder right, if that's yeah, the line yeah, they yeah, want yeah, to yeah, cut. So that was that was a really wild dance. Uh, Do you, uh, was there a trick or anything that you learned to turn that off, or was that just? I just think, you know, people said to me, "You're not going to believe how hard it is to go to Broadway," and I was like, "Oh, I know hard." 
And it's so hard. Mm. It's so hard. And I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was amazing. It you know, changed my career. It changed Jane's. It changed Lee's. Um, you know, and, and I, it was, <laughs> those are 10 glorious weeks. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, 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 I don't regret it in any way. Um, but it was harrowing. Mm. Mm. It was a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah, we lost that's... every penny. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was great. But previews are great. I think that that's the thing some, everybody really needs to kind of gear themselves up for, because that's when the real work, I think, gets done. You know, we wrote a, I wrote a, a, a new song. We, and we were in the second space at Atlantic, so we only had five previews, which was like, you know, so scary. So there was one song in, in the show that we did for two performances. A musical, a song from a musical of, uh, based on Lorenzo's oil, and it was, you know, it, the the parody line just went out, and it became too dark and too sad a moment in the show, and I couldn't get them back. Hmm. So it was hmm. great to kind of go home and go, what am I going to put in that place? What am I going to put hmm. it? Well, this whole section, I have to take it out. I have to take it out. And when you're under the gun like that, mm, you do great work. Yeah, I do. Anyway. Yeah. Do you find as a writer in like? because obviously you have pretty severe time constraints while you're mm -hmm. performing. Does that energize your writing somehow? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. Nothing like it's a another deadline. deadline. Yeah. 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 Like I said before, I would, write, I would rewrite something forever if I could. A lot of writing happens for me walking around, too. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And, and, That's and when you really city, write, on taking the subway, a shower. Get, getting out of the subway and going to the rehearsal hall yeah. is really only like a seven-minute walk for me. But all of the good work has happened on that little uh, uh, walk. A lot of actors have a sort of form of ADD, which is actually I find to be incredibly helpful and in part of as part of the creative process. Because as much as we are, as much as people associate ADD with sort of spacing out, it also you also have the ability to hyper focus, mm -hmm. and that's when a lot of great stuff you know can can really. Uh, it's true. I mean, if you think out. of this kind of wide open space that you can write whatever you want, you have all this time in the world, it is very hard to get stuff done. And, and, and Robert was pretty good about setting uh, deadlines for us, and that was hugely helpful. I mean, also, because yeah. uh, we were writing it together, there were only so many times we could actually get together at the same time and do it, because right. uh, Robert has a wonderful career, and I'm busy, and, and you know, there is only a certain amount of time. So you have to be pretty disciplined about getting to it when you have the time. Uh, and you also have really to important. allow yourself to just throw it aside, too. That's a, yeah. something I really learned. It's like sometimes you, you just can't write all the time. Yeah. And sometimes a, I think a work will benefit so much from just going, you know what, I'm going to go shopping. Or I'm going to go, you know, do something totally unrelated to this. And then you go back to it and you're like, oh, Here's what I have to do. Yeah, it's like a crossword puzzle. You, know, yeah, you, exactly. you don't know that answer. You don't exactly. know that answer. The next day, right. you know that answer. Right. Yeah. As actors, are there uh, other writers whose work you particularly enjoy performing? Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 I love Pinter. I'll just, I mean, he just came to my mind. Yeah. Just because he leaves so much to the actor. Yeah. I love Alan Bennett. Mm. My friend Russell Davis's plays are a lot like Pinter's in that there's, mm -hmm. it's all happening in between, every, every bit of it. Right. It's just, you know, that's my favorite kind of stuff. Where it isn't as facile, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I lo- uh, that facile stuff is fun because you really, it's, it's scalpel-like work. You want to make sure that you're just shaving it just right. Um, but I like, I love all that deeper yeah. stuff where it's, it's so rumbly and hard and beautiful. And Stoppard, of course, I love. I think he's mm. brilliant and great. Do you find yourself more prone to write uh, like, you know, like a Pinter or Beckett I, as an actor? Uh, because you as an actor understand what it means to sort of fill that in? Or? No, I have no, <laughs> no ability to write anything close to anything like that. Yeah, no. it doesn't really work Never like will. that. Never no. will. I don't think <laughs> for me anyway. I mean, you can, you can certainly take steel from people unconsciously, of course. Or consciously. Or consciously. Yeah. <laughs> right. But usually when it's conscious, it's not. I've nice. compared my work to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I love great stand-up comedians, too. I, it's all. It ends up, for me, being about what, what I have only a few gifts as a performer. What gifts are, uh, uh, pertain to which plays? Wh- which ones work? Uh, they, yeah. I, they don't work for everything. I like to think that they do, but they don't. Um, there are some that I, I really gravitate towards, but as a writer, uh, I, again, I have way too much respect for what that is and what it costs and uh, the discipline required and um, I have uh, much less desire to go <laughs> down all those roads of sacrifice. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I think, painful, lonely, and very, very difficult to be a writer. And um, when you are given the chance to bring someone's baby to life on the stage, it is, you know, uh, hugely uh, uh, moving honor to me. When you first approached doing you know, another side of, another aspect of creating a, um, of a theater piece. Did that feel like stretching as an artist into something that was unfamiliar, or did it feel familiar just because of your experience in other aspects of theater, or how was, and how did that affect your growth creatively overall? Well, I mean, don't you think that you start out doing all of it as children? I mean, you, you, you write plays, you make the costumes. I mean, I hate to sound like a cliche, but I don't think that, imp- I think, I think that's the challenge of, of of building a career is to hold on to that impulse and not get, you know, not start to believe that here's the writer, here's the actor, here's mm-hmm. the director. What? You know, I mean, I feel like I have to answer my interests or follow my interests and hope that the result will interest other people. Obviously, you can't work in your own void, but. Um, yeah. I mean, the character, I mean, the, the, one of the characters playing Love Child is uh, Joel, and he starts off the play talking about these puppet shows he would do uh, for his family. Um, he did Greek tragedies, you know, his puppet shows. And I do remember doing puppet shows as a kid. Uh, uh, the Wonder Clock was this book Howard Pyle uh, illustrated and wrote, and it was just, you know, this incredible book. And, you know, you tack up a curtain and you just do it. And right. it, uh, it, it, yeah, and it wasn't about, oh, am I writing it or am I? Di-? No, you're just right. doing it. And, and it is kind of exciting in a room where those lines can blur. I've worked with Tina Landau, and I just loved that because she mm-hmm. would just so empower you, just go off and bring it in, and yeah. if it works, it's, you know, and it almost always worked, which was kind of amazing to me. Uh, so when those lines are blurred and yet there is someone driving the bus, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't get any more exciting to me. When, yeah. when, when there's enough 
mutual respect between all of the disciplines in the room, um, whether it's the writer, actor, director, when that, uh, when that is supported uh, with uh, you know, a loving atmosphere, but again, with that director's still steering us. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's important. That's, that's just, uh, just heaven, yeah. heaven. When it, uh, you know, I, I, you said something about the needing that one person's vision, mm. and, and I think that's true, um, but it is even more exciting when that vision is discovered to me, as opposed to someone coming in and saying, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, my wife did a 12th night uh, in, in Seattle, and, and Doug Hughes uh, was directing it, and he had this whole kind of, you know, German dark kind of idea about it, and he got in the room and he realized, what am I thinking? Right. You know, he, he talked to his designers, he threw it all out, and he said, no, a it's a carnival. Who can say I was wrong. Exactly. You know? so, so when there is that sense of, you know what, nobody's right. Right. Nobody's right. right. It isn't right until we all feel like, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. And that's, that's great. I, uh, was, I, I found writing deeply uncomfortable. It was not anything I ever thought I was going to uh, mm. do. And I think, I think I became a writer when I understood that the discomfort was not an anomaly, but that it was part of it. And I think every time I sit down to write, I mean, I, I, I think every, I'm, I'm always interested in sort of expanding sort of not repeating what I did before, so doing something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially when I started teaching regularly, then I thought, oh, now I've got it figured out. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, that doesn't help me. I mean, I, f I feel like when you sit down to write something new, to me, it's, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I, I also think that, you know, I, to me, it's sort of a crucial thing was when I understood that failure um, is inevitable. And, and that I was going to have to embrace the possibility of failure. And that saying that we accept failure is, is not about if I say I accept failure, I'll, it's a trick so that I'll be successful. I mean, I think, in fact. You actually have to fail. Well, you also well, have you to do fail. redefine yeah. failure, too. too. I mean, maybe failure isn't failure. Failure right. is just a Process. part of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, right. the most I mean, exciting you know, artists are the ones who make mistakes. And, and I think, and you know, then, yeah. I, I'm so admiring of Albie, who, you know, huge success in the beginning of career, years of failure, and then how do you have, I mean, I, I've come to believe that risk, that you, don't, you can't risk anything when you're young. You only risk once you've gotten some right. success, uh -huh. and you've had failure, and you know. <laughs> right. You know what's at stake. Well, look right. at N.A.R. Gurney, too, who's so prolific uh, yeah. and just keeps writing. And, yeah. and what, what you get from that is, oh, this guy loves doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about making each one perfect or whatever. But right. like, there's always something you can take from one of his plays that's like great. Yeah. But he just never stops. And that's, that's amazing. That's, yeah. I want to be like that. <laughs> do you? I mean, it's ter terrifying to me, that thought. Well, actually writing that much. <laughs> well, but I mean, it's not like, it just seems like it just becomes like breathing, you know? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and you know, thinking of the result, but you know that the process is something that you have to continually. Yeah, I think know, that's the trickiest wicket for me to. is not thinking about the result. Oh, I think everybody yeah. thinks about yeah. the result, and I think when it's bad, it feels terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think. And yeah. then I also know that when I'm writing and I think, oh, I'm writing something really good now, that is the thing that will be cut because it is horrible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is crap. When it stops being fun, though, that's when I'm going to stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I think that is a good time to end this, end this discussion. Thank you all for being here. It's Thank a pleasure you for having me.
And thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing, I'm Gordon Cox, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. Hello, I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. The American Theatre Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. We stand for excellence and we support education in the theatre. Best known for creating the Tony Awards, our work reaches beyond Broadway and beyond New York. Our working in the theatre programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are unequaled forums for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth interviews are heard on XM Satellite Radio. Our theatre company grants support New York not-for-profits and total nearly $3 million since they began, while the Jonathan Larson grants support emerging composers and lyricists. Our theatre intern group helps young people who are starting their careers to build a professional network. And Springboard NYC is a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country. All of the American Theatre Wing's educational and media programs are available for free, on demand, from our website, americantheaterwing.org.